I am called a feminist because I am modern thinking and correct downputting of other people, of other humans. I call myself a neutralist because I believe that all genders should be equal, though they are not treated that way. I am called an immigrant because my father decided to cave out his own path with his own hands, was not afraid to get that dirt in between his own fingers, on his own face, to get that life for his own children. I call myself a product because my daddy did what he had to do. He crossed that border into a new unknown land to get that better life and handed it down to me as a trophy so that I could hand it down to my children, down to my kids. That way, they can have that better life and I can hand it down to them and say what he said to me, that I am a treasure, that I have the right to be here just as anyone in this world has the right to be here, for we are all immigrants, for not one of us was just born here, that the borders are just a line that the men have created of this world. I am called hot-headed because I don't want another person. I won't let another person treat me or anyone else lowly because they have issues at their own right. I call myself a fighter because I stand for what's right for my sake and for others because Baby, I am not, I am not going to let you pass by because you think you can. I am called an inspiration because of how they treated me once, once they saw my hair, once they saw my skin, my body, once they saw me and decided it was Decided that I was wrong. I call myself a witness to the cruelness and the harmfulness of other people. They call me broken. They call me psycho because I won't let another man, another person twist, twist my wrist, twist my wrist because I won't let them touch my body, speak to me that way, speak about my family that way, because baby, I am not a girl. I am not just a woman. I am not just a person. I am a storm with skin. I won't let those Mexican men, those Puerto Rican men, those white men, those black men, those Asian men down on the streets, whether they are woman, man, child, adult, speak about me that way. Because I am a fighter. I am a warrior. And I am a survivor to everything that they have done. I am what they call all those names, but I do not listen to a single one of them because I know what I am. 
I know who I am, what I am, I know where I came from, I know where my heritage leads, I know what my ancestors done, what back inside the Aztec and Mayan times, I am a border cross of both of those tribes. From the great Irish, those with the green eyes, those with the brown eyes, brown skin, with the golden hair, all combined to make me. Maybe I am not a woman. I am a storm. I am the reclamation. I am what I choose to be. And I, when I see you broken as me, I want to take you and I want to kiss your wounds and tell you that it will be alright. It will be okay. Because this is not forever. This is not how it ends. Because I am. You are. We are. Survivors. I am not the only one like me. There are many others that have been treated worse than me. Not all of us have this chance. I'm going to do my best to tell the story. Tell you how it goes. How every day starts. Start off with either your alarm going off or your parents waking you up. You stay inside bed for a while. Not because you don't want to wake up. But more so because you are still trying to go to sleep. Once you finally do get up, which is anywhere from two minutes to two hours later, you go to the bathroom where you look inside the mirror to see your grudgy morning self. You always pay attention to the things you hate most about yourself, judging yourself, thinking, why? Why would I like this? Because either your skin is brown, because there's a little bit more weight on you, because you're taller or shorter, kids will always find something that is different than what they are and always use it against you. You brush your teeth, making sure they're spotless and perfect. You do your hair, trying your best to make it perfect. You dress, trying to look ordinary, because you are a master of stealth. Your heart is fluttering and fluttering. Your brain is talking to it, trying to calm it down, saying, I know, I don't want to go through this either. Not another day, as you're counting down the days till the weekend when you can finally rest. You get on the bus, if you weren't lucky enough to have your parents drive you home, where kids throw paper at you as you sit side middle. Cause the younger kids sit up front and the older kids sit back and that is where the war starts you're inside of class you go to the back of the class the back of the classroom behind everyone else because the teacher felt pity upon you because 
everyone was always throwing paper up front, calling you out. That's when the recess bell finally goes over. You want to spend it more inside because outside is a landmine. Outside is terrible. Outside, you are trying your best to stay invisible. But it is not happening the way you wish. During lunch, people would dump the tray on you, saying it's dog food. They're throwing pieces of grapes, oranges, sandwiches. Smell of fish sticks fills the air, you end up eating up in the hall, or the principal's office, or the classroom. Then you get home. You get undressed, you wash off, you go to bed and lay there until your alarm goes off the next day. I am not the only one who has to do this on a ferris wheel, on a rotating wheel, on a treadmill. I am not the only one who has had this as my schedule for 12 years and over. I am not the only one. For we are together as an army. We are the most deadly creatures because we are silent. Because we have mastered the art of stealth, going through landmines, going through and through it and through it, until we say that we can't get over it anymore. Some of us have fallen and died, but it is okay as we carry on, we keep going, we keep fighting, because we stand proud. We show our quirks off. Yes, we fight. And yes, some of us died during those battles, but it is okay, because while we won't forget, we forgive. And even if we don't forgive, we keep going, hoping that the next day will be better. That's when my alarm goes off. I walk into the building that my mom takes me into after being taken out of school because apparently public school is too much for my woman-like shoulders even though I carry upon the household. I see you and my main thought was this lady looks like a fox with her short red hair and her slanted eyes. A very fluffy fox. The first thing you tell me is not to be afraid because the men in here are really just boys and that they're all leaving next year anyways after they graduate. My thoughts are I've dealt with men enough. I've dealt with people enough. After all, I'm part of this earth. I'll be fine. The second thing you tell me is that you have an IQ of 147, which is 47 points higher than the average. I shrug my shoulders. 
and I say out loud, everybody thinks differently. Albert Einstein had a low IQ. She looks at me surprised, having surprised I said this, I guess. The third thing you tell me after looking at my drawings is that I have a devil inside of me and that depression does not exist in the house of God. I say to her, well, I'm here. Depression is in me and we're in the house of God. You grew quiet. The fourth thing you tell me is that I cannot have depression. That it is just a devil inside of me and that you will take this devil out by the end of the year. Or you will bring me out of my shell of darkness. That the, I am inside the darkness, that the darkness is not in me. My thoughts? The darkness is only there at night. Those sleepless nights. It paralyzes me to my bed and doesn't let me go. Until I take that knife and I slid it open, and I let it pour out. Then I'll get up out of my bed after struggling for about an hour. The fifth thing you tell me is that I should try reading the words of God. I come to you with questions that you can't answer. You tell me that Christianity is based on love. Well, then I say, why does God despise so many things? You grow silent once again. The sixth thing that you tell me is that the reason I am not sleeping is because I am thinking way too much. I look at you and I say, I know. But it's not like I can turn off my brain. You grow quiet. The seventh thing that you tell me is that my mother will be very displeased with what I have done. I look at her and I go, I know, but it's already been done. You grow silent. The eighth thing that you tell me is that I am just confused after you learn about my sexuality. You tell me that a woman and another woman cannot lock hand because that is not how it was supposed to be. Because a woman and a woman cannot bear children and that is what God intended. I ask you what do infertile women do then? You look at me and you go, adopt, usually, or just don't have kids. I go, well then why can't a woman and another woman adopt as well? The ninth thing that you tell me after you walk me inside of a room of one of your old foster kids yelling at me, you are confused that this darkness is inside of your head, that the darkness, you are inside of this darkness, that the Lord has said, look at me, keep your eyes on me, and the darkness will be gone and that the seas shall calm. You pull a Bible verse after Bible verse, telling me, showing me, saying, listen here, see here, watch here. Well, you see, the problem is, this is what happens. This is what he said. 
and I tell you, this is what he said, and this is what I hear, but this is how I feel. The tenth thing that you tell me is that it does not matter how I feel, that it does not matter what other people say, it matters what the Bible says. And I pull up a Bible verse, and I say, see, see, see here, listen here. Jesus felt it too. That I am not the only one with the dark thoughts inside of my head. Jesus felt it too. And I look at you and I go, wasn't Jesus perfect? You go, yes, it was just a devil tempting him. Devil or not. It's inside my head and it hurts. It gives me headaches. It keeps me up at night. It's just the way things are. You look at me and go, this is not how it ends. That this book will take it. This book will fix it better than any pills can ever fix it. I ask you then, why hasn't the book fixed it then? You look at me and go, because you are not reading it. I've read that book side through, in and out. It still hasn't fixed me. You say, see here, look here, child. This is the problem, here it is. I look at you and I say, no, here is the problem, as I point to my head. Because in between my ears, behind my eyes, under my hair, under my scalp, there's an imbalance. And it's okay, because I'm fighting through it. You go, no, no, we do not accept that here. And I go, I never asked you to. So I got told that a woman's place is in the kitchen. You've all heard it before. But when I heard this man speaking to his friend, thinking that no one else can hear him, I look at him and I go, well, that's the reason why women live longer than men. He looks at me confused and I answer back, because the kitchen is where the knives are. You see, a woman's place is not in the kitchen. A woman's place is not above or below men. A woman's place is wherever she chooses to be placed. I heard that the first time a woman speaks is the first time that she becomes herself. Well, I disagree. The first time a woman thinks is the first time that woman becomes herself. Whether she places those thoughts outside of the world or keeps them in her, that is her choice. And that is what defines her, is what she puts out. Because if she keeps it in, then it is not defining her you are but once it goes out there is no putting it back because she has decided that she will reclaim herself that is the reclamation of herself my grandma told me that if women were to have built onto the world instead of men then there would be a lot of problems fixed and i look at her and i go Well, then who'd do the cooking? 
My grandma looks at me and goes, well, the woman, of course. I look at her and I go, who'd build everything? She goes, the women. I look at her and go, what would the men do? She looks at me and goes, stand there and look pretty. You see, do not mistake in me and my generosity, me and me being nice, me and my personality for a weakness, because I will slap you with the same hand I feed you with before you can bite the hand that has fed you, because when you disrespect me, you are nothing but a dog, because I know my place, I have placed myself, and you cannot take that away from me, because I have already spoken out loud, my thoughts are not kept inside of me, my thoughts are out in the open, and you cannot take that, you cannot put them back, the world has already heard them, and they have clapped for them. I am not ashamed who I am. I am a woman. And I know my place, for I have placed myself. You were there as you welcomed me. Your smile immediately made me set up. Every wall I could think of, everything I had blocked off, I made small talk, but none of it was important. Over the span of the few months that I got to know you, you got to know me, and for every wall that you broke down, I'm placing one brick. For I am terrified of what would happen if you got through all the walls. It's been a long, long, long time since I trusted someone like you. And I'm fighting with every bone, every muscle. I'm straining every single piece, giving everything I got into setting up more walls, more boundaries, keeping you as far away as possible. Because I am afraid, but not because I've been hurt in the past, but more so because I am afraid of what would happen in the future. Because at night, I end up thinking to myself, what if, what if this were to happen? What if actually you're okay? What if actually I can trust you? What if actually it's okay to let my guard down? The next month, I am shaking. I don't want to go through this again. Because every day that I talk to you, another brick falls down into a lovely pile that you've made. You've made a sculpture with my walls. Something that you can get through. You and only you. Those nights, I'm thinking, what do I do here? I'm not used to having this reaction. I don't know what to do. The month after that, you are not only making sculptures, but you are planting flowers at the base of those sculptures you have made from my walls, from my boundaries. You see, if I were to have mapped out the world, I would have added bridges. But when it comes to me, I am putting up more walls, more borders than anyone has ever seen. That Trump looks foolish. There are so many walls near me that 
Whenever someone tries to knock one down, it is impenetrable. No one can ever get through. I feel safe. But I'm still alert. Those nights, those are the nights I think, maybe I need you. I don't want to think this. I don't want you. But maybe, just maybe, I need you.